And we give Him the glory. Amen? Well, it is a joy for me this morning to open God's Word with you as our teaching pastor is able to get some time away with his family. And I invite you this morning to open with me in your copy of God's Word to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3, and if, if you're using a pew Bible this morning in the racks in front of you, you'll find it on page 1182. 2 Timothy chapter 3, and to give us some context for this morning, I want to read verses 14 to 17. Paul writes, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Let's go to God's word in prayer. Father, as we come before you this morning, Lord, open our eyes to behold wonderful truths from your word and help us to see the sufficiency of your word for every season of our lives. In Christ's name, amen. Well, life is full of problems, pain, and difficulty. God created the world in six days, and Genesis 1.31 says that God saw that everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. But it's only a couple dozen verses later that sin came into the world through one man and death through sin. The result of Adam and Eve's sin in the garden, eating the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, is that sin and its effects now permeate all of life. John Milton, in his famous work, Paradise Lost, wrote that sin brought death into the world and all our woe. Man is born to trouble. Job says, as sparks fly upward. Ecclesiastes chapter 2 and verse 23 says that all of man's days are full of sorrow. His work is a vexation. And even in the night, his heart does not rest. Life is full of pain and problems and difficulty. And each of us are, are conscious of this reality, right? Every day we, we struggle with the effects of sin. We, we understand that it's, it's difficult to live life in a fallen world. And as a result of the fall, we, we struggle as Christians. We struggle with anxiety. We struggle with, with fear and with doubts. We struggle with depression and discontentment. Maybe this morning you find yourself down in the dumps. Maybe you find yourself extremely depressed. 
Maybe this morning you're thinking, you know what, my marriage could really use a, a tune-up. Or maybe you feel as though your marriage is on the brink of divorce. Or maybe uh, an addictive behavior, an ensnaring sin has brought difficulties in your life. A loss of a job, financial ruin, the, the destruction, the disruption of relationships. And the question is, where can we find help for our problems? Where can we find help and hope to, to navigate the, the pain we face in life? Where can we turn for, for resources to guide us through the issues of life, the issues in our lives, and the issues in the lives of those around us? The answer to those questions is the topic of our summer sermon series entitled Biblical Answers for Common Problems. Over the next few weeks, we'll examine biblical solutions to some of life's most common problems. Problems such as anxiety, anger, and lust. In the coming weeks, we will see that, that Scripture, that the Bible, speaks to, with, with great breath to the gamut of life's issues. And what we see in our passage this morning from the words of the Apostle Paul in 2 Timothy chapter 3 is that Paul answers those questions by pointing us, by giving us a description for the resources that Christians have in God's Word. The resources that we have for navigating life's problems. Paul says that Scripture is sufficient to help you live life to the glory and honor of God, to navigate even some of the most difficult and painful and confusing circumstances for His glory. The letter of 2 Timothy was written by the Apostle Paul to his, his protege, his child in the faith, Timothy, during his second Roman imprisonment. Paul is in jail and he's writing his, his last letter, his final encouragement to Timothy. And, and the encouragement that he writes is to tell Timothy to, to remain faithful, to faithfully preach the gospel and to minister God's word despite suffering. We see from the first half of 2 Timothy chapter 3 that Timothy was ministering in a, in a difficult context. You see in verses 1 to 4 that he says difficult times will come. That men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy. He's ministering in a difficult context. And, and Paul's encouragement to Timothy is, Timothy, don't give up. Timothy, don't be discouraged because you have God's word, which is sufficient to help you and to help others navigate the pain and the problems and the sin that we encounter in this life. And what we'll see is that Paul provides in very concise and direct terms that the Bible is adequate that the scripture is sufficient to provide for you this morning help and hope and resources 
to live your life to the glory of God. This passage shows us that scripture is sufficient for your problems and for mine. And so we'll see in 2 Timothy 3, verses 15 to 17, three reasons why scripture is sufficient to address life's problems. This morning, we're going to see three reasons why you can confidently go to God's word for advice, for direction, and for instruction in living your life in a way that honors Christ. This week, we will see why God's word is sufficient, why we can run to God's word. And then in the weeks to come in this series, we'll see how God's word provides us wisdom and direction. The first reason that we'll see this morning as to why scripture is sufficient to address life's problems is because of its source. Because of its source. Look at verse 16. Paul writes, All scripture is breathed out by God. Here in these verses we see where scripture came from and who is responsible for it. Paul says, All scripture. Here he's speaking of scripture in its totality, both the Old and the New Testament. And in verse 15, if you'll notice, Paul calls scripture the the sacred writings. It's a term that specifically refers to the Old Testament. But in verse 16, he uses the word scripture. It's It's a broader term and it includes not only the New Testament, or not only the Old Testament, excuse me, but also the new. We know that for a few reasons. One, in 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 18, Paul quotes both from the Old Testament in the book of Deuteronomy and from the New Testament in the Gospel of Luke, and he strings these two quotes together and he says both of them are Scripture. Both of them are God's inspired Word. And then in 2 Timothy 3.16, We see that Peter regarded Paul's letters as scripture. And so we see that both the the sacred writings of the Old Testament and the scripture of the New Testament are both equally God's word. And all scripture, Paul says, is breathed out by God. It is literally God-breathed. And notice here that not just some scripture but all scripture is breathed out by God. Every book, every chapter, every line, every word, all of it is breathed out by God. All of it is God's word. What exactly does it mean that all scripture is breathed out by God? That phrase, breathed out by God, or your Bible might say inspired, speaks to origin of the Bible. It's intended to convey that the the Bible is God's breath. It is spoken by Him. To say that Scripture is breathed out by God is to say that God is both the author and the source of Scripture. Every word of Scripture, every word in our Bibles is breathed out by God Himself. This is why Paul refers to to scripture in Romans 3, 2 as the oracles of God. Such that we can say that when we read our Bible, when scripture speaks, God speaks. 
And yet, we know that the Bible was composed by human authors. And so when we speak of Scripture being inspired, when we speak of what is sometimes called the doctrine of inspiration, we're not saying that the authors of Scripture were inspired to write a play like Shakespeare or inspired to compose music like Mozart. Instead, the doctrine of Scripture, the doctrine of inspiration, refers to the, the supernatural influence of the Holy Spirit on the authors of Scripture. In the process of inspiration, God, in His sovereignty, uses the minds, the vocabularies, and the experiences of the human authors to say precisely, to say exactly what He has intended to say. Peter explains this. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 20 and 21, Peter says, Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Paul says that the authors of Scripture were, were carried along as a, as a ship with sails would be driven along by the wind. As the human authors wrote their biblical texts, the Holy Spirit inspired and superintended their very words to produce the Word of God. And just pause for a moment and consider that reality. In light of 2 Timothy 3.16, we know that the scripture that we hold in our hands, the Bible that you have in your lap this morning, is the very word of God. The reality that God is the source of scripture, that the Bible is the word of God, has, has massive implications for our lives. It should impact us greatly. And it should cause us to, to run to God's word with great confidence, knowing that God's word is sufficient to handle our problems. But why? Why does the fact that the Bible comes from God provide us with confidence for handling life's problems? Well, consider just three reasons with me briefly. First, since God is the source of Scripture... Scripture is inerrant. Scripture is inerrant. And simply put, that means that the, the Bible is without error. Since the Bible is God's word, and since it is impossible for God to lie, Hebrews 6.18, then we can trust that the Bible is without error. The Bible can no more fail, falter, or err than God himself can fail, falter, or err. And so when we now come to Scripture to help navigate our problems, we know with confidence that we can come to God's Word. We can approach Scripture acknowledging its total trustworthiness, its comprehensive truthfulness that it is God's word and it will not fail. Simply put, you can trust what the Bible says is true. 
And that's amazing news because in a world filled with so many headlines and so much information and not knowing if what I am reading on this website or in this book is true, I know that I can run to God's word and I know that what it says is true and what it says is accurate and nothing can cause it to fail. Dear Christian, when, when you're tempted to doubt that God's word is sufficient to navigate your life's problems, remember scripture's source. Remember scripture's source. And second, since God's is the source of scripture, we see second that scripture is wise. Scripture is wise. In the pages of scripture, we find wise instruction to navigate life's problems. You see, the fact that God is the author and the source of scripture means that scripture is unlike any other book. Unlike every other book, scripture is the the very word of God. Scripture is not merely the opinions of man, the discoveries or the insights of man. It's not merely a, a collection of wisdom and insights of men, even of, of godly men. It is the word of God. And the God who is the source of scripture, who wrote the Bible, is the only wise God. Job 12, 13 says that with God are wisdom and might, that he has both counsel and understanding. Isaiah 9, 6 speaks of of Christ and it says that Jesus is our wonderful counselor, that he is our wise counselor because in him, in Christ, are hidden all of the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. You think we might have something to learn from that? And what's amazing is that in God includes all of the wisdom and knowledge pertaining to our human natures because he knows us infinitely. And don't miss this fundamental reality that God created us and therefore God knows us perfectly. I think of Jesus during his earthly ministry In the Gospel of John, in in chapter 2, we learn that that Jesus didn't need help understanding men because verse 25 says he already knew what was in man. The 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 fact is this, and this is so important to grasp. The fact is that the one who created the soul knows best how to care for the soul, and he has provided that care, he has provided that instruction in his word. Think about that this morning. The God who created you and knows you better than anyone else has given to you his word, which is full of wisdom to address life's difficulties. So the fact that God is the source of scripture means that his word, his wise counsel is far superior to any wisdom of man. It's far superior to any of the philosophies or counsel that this world can give. 
And so when you are tempted to doubt the sufficiency of God's word, when you're tempted to doubt that the Bible can, can really help me with this issue, remember scripture's source. And there's a third encouragement that scripture is from God. Not only is scripture inerrant, not only is scripture wise, but third, scripture is authoritative. Scripture is authoritative and, and simply put that because God, the author and creator of all things, is the source of scripture, then scripture carries with it the weight of his divine authority. When scripture speaks, God speaks. And so when scripture gives us an instruction or a command, what is our response? The only right response is we must listen to God's word. We must submit to what it says. When I have a difficult problem and I see what scripture says about it, my only recourse is to run to it, to listen to it, and to obey it. And ask yourself this morning, is this, is this how you respond to God's word? Do you submit to Scripture, to Scripture's commands? Do you consider God's Word to be authoritative, to come from Almighty God Himself? Or do you deliberate? Do you vacillate as to whether or not you'll obey God's Word? As to whether or not what, what is written in our Bibles is true, whether the counsel that it gives is, is actually wise, is it actually helpful? When we're tempted to ignore the commands of Scripture, we need to remember Scripture's source. And so the first reason why, why Scripture is sufficient to address life's problem is because of its source. There's a second reason. Scripture is sufficient to address life's problems because of its purpose. Because of the purpose for which it was designed. Look at verses 15 and 16. And in these verses, we're going to see two primary purposes for which Scripture was designed. Scripture was designed for salvation and for sanctification. Salvation and for sanctification. In verse 15, we see that one of the purposes of Scripture is to bring individuals to saving faith. Paul writes, verse 15, From childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Scripture here says that the, the Scripture, that the Bible, is able to make you wise for salvation. Scripture is sufficient to remedy our biggest problem. Salvation from sin. The Bible reveals our need for salvation. It shows us the holiness of God and the sinfulness of men. It shows us that we deserve condemnation. And it shows us that there is nothing that we can do to earn our way to heaven. But the Bible also reveals the wonderful plan of salvation. In Scripture, we learn that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Paul says that Scripture is able to make you wise for salvation. 
And notice it, it makes you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. The promise of the gospel is that if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved. That if you turn from sin to Christ, you will be saved. The scripture is sufficient to save. In commenting on this passage, Kevin DeYoung, in, in his helpful book, Taking God at His Word, writes this. He says, Scripture doesn't tell us everything we may want to know about everything, but it tells us everything we need to know about the most important things. It gives us something the internet, with all its terabytes of information, never could. Wisdom. The purpose of Scripture is not ultimately to make you smart, to make you relevant, or make you rich, or to get you a job, or get you married, or take away your problems away, or tell you where to live. The aim is that you might be wise enough to put your faith in Christ and be saved. Nothing else in all the world has this ability. Only in Scripture do we find the good news of forgiveness of sins. Only in Scripture can we, we be led to believe in Jesus Christ and by believing have life in His name. Scripture is sufficient to save. There's a second purpose to Scripture we see in this passage. Scripture is not only sufficient to save, it is also sufficient to sanctify. Scripture is not only sufficient to, to point us to the Lord Jesus Christ, Scripture is sufficient to help us live godly amidst life's problems. Look again at verse 16. Paul says, all scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Paul calls scripture in verse 16 profitable, and that speaks to its value. And the fact that God's word is profitable should encourage us this morning. It should motivate us to read and study God's word this morning. Why? Because the entire Bible, every word and every phrase has profit to the one who will take up and read. To the one who will read it with care. There is nothing unprofitable in this book. Some parts are, to be sure, harder to understand. Some parts are, to be sure, harder to apply. But there is profit in every word, there is value in every passage. What is scripture profitable for? It's profitable for four things. Look in verse 16, for teaching, for proof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. And here we see that Paul uses two pairs of words to explain the value and the usefulness of scripture. The first pair of words is, is teaching and rebuke. Those have to do with doctrine, how we think, and how, what we believe. And the second pair of words that you'll see are, are correction and, and training in righteousness. These words have to do with our, our conduct, how we act, and what we do. And right there, I think we can back up and just say that that covers the gamut of our lives. What we think what we believe, how we act, what we do. 
We see here that scripture is useful and beneficial for life and godliness. And first, in verse 16, Paul says that scripture is profitable for teaching. Simply put, scripture tells us who God is and what God demands. It teaches us what we're to believe about God, about ourselves, and about the problems that we face. God's Word provides us with a standard for what is right and what is wrong, what is good and what is bad, what is true and what is false about all the truly important matters of life. The scriptures are profitable because they inform us, and they teach us, and they guide us. When we don't know what to do, or when we come to realize that we have been thinking or believing wrongly, about situations that we're facing. The scriptures teach us to think and to act in every situation of life. They give us vital truths necessary for each and every day. But second, verse 16 says that scripture is profitable for reproof. And reproof refers to, to giving warnings against errors in belief and behavior. Not only does scripture teach us what is, what is right and true and accurate, it also exposes what is false and wrong and inaccurate. It's the flip side to teaching. And scripture, Paul says, is the instrument that God uses to, to convict us of sin and to show us where and how we're wrong in our, in our thinking and our motives, where and wrong we are in our desires and our attitudes where we're wrong in our feelings and our values, even our actions and our reactions. The Bible, we see from these verses, accurately points out when we have stepped off God's good path of obedience. In verse 16, we see third that Paul says that scripture is profitable for correction. That word correction, it means uh, to set up straight, to, to get someone back on the right path. We see here that scripture not only shows us where and how we've gone wrong, where and how we need to change, but actually tells us how to change. It actually tells us what to change. Here we move from thinking to actions. Scripture corrects us and it helps us set us up straight. It helps put us on the right path. Finally, in verse 16, Paul says that Scripture is profitable for training in righteousness. Righteousness refers to godly living. And so we see that, that Scripture is not a book to give us strategy for our, for our sporting endeavors. It's not a book to give us... Uh, tips and tricks and special dietary regulations. It's not about the Daniel diet. Rather, God's word informs us about holy and righteous living. And how are we trained in righteousness? How do we grow in godliness? By, by studying and applying God's word to our lives. See here that, that scripture is God's primary instrument 
to grow us in holiness. And so in his high priestly prayer in John 17, Jesus prays for believers to the Father. And what does he pray? He says, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Peter says in 1 Peter 2, 2, like newborn infants, long for the spiritual milk. Why? That by it you may grow into salvation. We see that, that the word of God applied to the heart by the spirit of God is the primary instrument God uses to grow us in holiness. And note this. By way of implication, your spiritual life will, will only grow in proportion to your intake and obedience to God's Word. It is the Word of God that the Spirit of God uses to sanctify us and to grow us in Christ-likeness. And so Scripture trains us in righteousness. Peter says it this way, and in 2 Peter 1.3, he says that God has given us in Scripture all things pertaining to life and to godliness. Scripture is sufficient to address our moral and spiritual needs. Everything necessary for saving faith and for our spiritual lives, living lives to the honor and glory of God are found in God's Word. And so why can we confidently go to God's word for direction, for guidance, and for instruction? Why can we go to God's word for help navigating the problems of life? Because the Bible gives us everything we need to understand how to glorify God in this present life, regardless of our circumstances. God's Word, it teaches us. It teaches us how to, how to honor God and how we act and react to sins. It teaches us how we deal with not only our sins, but also the sins of others. It teaches us how to handle the challenges of living in a sin-cursed world. It even teaches us how to handle suffering and difficulty. God's Word provides everything we need to live a life that honors Christ. But I think it's also important to note when we're talking about the sufficiency of Scripture, to know what we don't mean about God's Word being sufficient. Peter says in 2 Peter 1.3 that the Scripture is sufficient for all things pertaining to life and godliness. That is to say that, that God's word is, is adequate for understanding and resolving all of our non-physical, non-medical, personal and interpersonal sin-related difficulties. Or to put it another way, Scripture is not sufficient to help you fix your clogged bathroom sink. But it is sufficient to help you deal with the frustration and the anger and the anxiety when, when following the steps on the YouTube video was not as easy as you thought it would be. Like, men, can I get an amen? Right? Scripture is, is not sufficient for that. That's why you make more than one trip to Home Depot. 
scripture is not sufficient to fix your bathroom sink, but a plumber is. But scripture is sufficient for all things pertaining to life and to godliness. Kevin DeYoung provides this helpful explanation in his book, Taking God at His Word. He says, to affirm the sufficiency of Scripture is not to suggest that the Bible tells us everything we want to know about everything, but it does tell us everything we need to know about what matters most. Where Scripture does, give exhaustive or does not give exhaustive information on every subject, but in every subject on which it speaks, it says only what is true. And in its truth, he writes, we have enough knowledge to turn from sin, to find a savior, to make good decisions, to please God, and to get to the root of our deepest problems. Scripture is sufficient to help us navigate all of life. And so why can we confidently run to God's word when we need help navigating our lives? Because scripture is sufficient for both life and godliness. It's sufficient to save, and it's sufficient to sanctify. And so we get to praise God because we see the sufficiency of Scripture displayed when an individual battling depression experiences hope from Psalm 42. Or when an individual who turns from enslaving sexual behavior with the help of Romans 5 and Romans 6. Scripture's sufficiency is on display when, when crippling worry is replaced with a, a peaceful trust through study of Philippians 4 and Romans 8. The Bible, friends, is sufficient to help us to live God-honoring lives in our wayward world. And so we've seen that Scripture is sufficient to address life's problems because of its source and because of its result or purpose and now finally because of its results. Look at verse 17. Why can you confidently go to God's word for handling life's problems? Because of the results that scripture produces. Paul says all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. Verse 17, it begins with this phrase, that or, or so that, to describe the results that, that Scripture yields in the life of the believer. It shows us how Scripture furnishes believers to minister not only to themselves, but also to others. Paul tells Timothy that the result of the sanctifying power of God's word is that he will be complete and equipped. That phrase, man of God, it could refer generally to, to any Christian or it could specifically refer to Timothy and other Christian leaders. And the, the end matter, the, the application either way is that scripture is sufficient both to equip Timothy and ministers of the gospel, as well as equip every believer to minister their spiritual gifts. And the result of that biblical training, the teaching, the reproof, 
the correction, the training in righteousness is that we would be complete and equipped for every good work. That word complete means competent, it means capable. The word equipped, it means to be, to be fully furnished, fully outfitted, ready for whatever the world would throw at you. The result of God's word, the result of the sanctifying power of God's word is competent and equipped Christians. But what are we competent to do? What are we equipped for? What does God's word equip us to do? He says, for every good work. It refers to, to every aspect or every task of the Christian life and the Christian ministry. Since God has, has created us and has uh, created us for good works and he causes us to, to walk in good works, Paul says here that he's given us his word to equip us for those works. Scripture equips us for our task. Like a pilot with, with an airplane and an adequate knowledge and training to operate that plane, the Scripture adequately trains and adequately provides all that's needed for the Christian. The Christian has the tools to, to live life well and to serve others well because of the Word of God working through him. Dear Christian, the Bible that you hold in your hands is not only sufficient to sanctify you, it's not only sufficient to help you navigate your problems, but the Bible is also sufficient to equip you to minister to others. It equips you to fulfill your ministry. In Ephesians 4, we're told that pastors and teachers are to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Scripture equips you for your ministry. Scripture equips you as you go out each and every day to fulfill the Great Commission, to evangelize the lost, to teach all that God has commanded. Scripture equips you to do the one another's in your home, at the park, in your small group. Scripture equips you to work and minister to others, to help others see when they're in the fog, to help others see when life is difficult, to help others see how God's Word provides for them. With God's sufficient Word in our hand, we can help others take the truths of Scripture and apply them to their lives to help them to help those who are who are struggling with depression or anxiety or loss to help others in their problems in parenting or in marriage with their anger or, or any number of issues the scripture is sufficient once again Kevin DeYoung writes we need the bible if we are to be competent Christians. The Bible will build us up so that we can endure suffering. It will give us discernment for difficult choices. It will make us strong enough to be patient with others and patient enough to respond with kindness when others hurt us. 
The Bible will get us up to bring meals to new moms and to pray for people on their hospital beds. The Bible equips us to be truth lovers and truth tellers. It sends us out to care for the poor and to welcome the stranger. There is no limit, DeYoung writes, to what the Bible can do for us and to us and through us. Scripture is sufficient. And notice that, that, that it's not simply enough for us to study God's Word and to apply it to our own lives. It's not simply enough to sit alone and to study God's Word. We're called to then use that knowledge, to use what the Spirit of God has shown us in His Word, to apply it lovingly to those around us. It equips us for every good work. So why can we confidently go to God's Word for direction and for guidance? Because the Scripture is sufficient to make us competent and equipped for every good work. We can go to God's Word when life is hard and when problems come our way because of the source of Scripture, that it is true in all that it says, that it is full of wisdom and that it is authoritative in its commands. We can go to Scripture because of its purpose, that it is adequate to save and to sanctify, that God's Word is enough to lead your friends or your family to salvation, and it is enough to help each and every believer grow in godliness. We can run to Scripture because of its results, that it equips us for every good work. So may the sufficiency of Scripture May this bedrock that we have laid today, may that encourage us, may that cause us to run to God's word for help and for hope in navigating life's pain and difficulties. And may these truths cause us and motivate us and encourage us to love God's word more. That the Bible that you hold in your hand today is God's word. And so ask the Lord that he would grow you in his love for him, that he would help you to, to be motivated to dig into it. And may we all, with dependent hearts, pray to the Lord that he would apply it to our lives for his glory. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, help us to lean not on our own understanding, but in all our ways to look to your word, to be dependent upon you for guidance and for direction. Lord, cause us to desire your word and cherish it. And Lord, by your spirit, help us to understand it and apply it to our lives for your glory. In Christ's name, amen.